Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and owner of the early financial independence website, financialmentor.com, and author of a new book called The Leverage Equation, How to Work Less, Make More, and Cut 30 Years Off Your Retirement Plan. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Todd. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Just tell briefly, you had quite an interesting story where you didn't start out so great, and then you did really well and kind of retired early. Just give a brief uh, history of you know what, what you did to get to this position. Well, when I came out of college, I worked for Hewlett Packard straight out of college, which was considered, you know, in search of excellence. I don't know if you remember that book. That was in our vintage. A lot of people may not remember it now. And that didn't go so well. I got fired. Um, <laughs> first job out of college. I was a big success story in college. I'd run a bunch of campus businesses. I'd always been an entrepreneur. I just didn't fit into the corporate lifestyle. Um, I got involved with a hedge fund. I'd been doing a lot of research on advanced investment strategies got involved with a hedge fund and uh, met with really strong success there. That's where I built my wealth. And then when I came out of the hedge fund business, I still am fascinated with wealth, wealth accumulation, why some people do it and other people don't when it's such a um, desirable goal. You know, it's a goal most people hold and yet so few people succeed with it. And so that's when I founded Financial Mentor and I started coaching people on how to do it as kind of a proving ground for the lessons I teach. I wanted to make sure that they actually worked first before I taught them. Um, Because one thing for a person to do it themselves, it's another thing to be able to teach it consistently. And then once I've been coaching people for a couple decades, then I started writing books and courses about it. And uh, I I call it putting Todd in a box, right? Putting my knowledge of what I've learned over the years into course and book format so others can benefit from it. So just tell us a little bit about your mentoring business what kind of people do you deal with, and, and what is the process involved in, in helping them? Well, I don't actually accept coaching clients anymore. It got, I mean, it was a good problem to have, right? I, I got a huge waiting list. I kept upping the rates. I never wanted to be a high-priced coach because it was always about trying to figure out how to help people. And the coaching was always designed to be revenue-producing market research. It was never really designed to be a business model in and of itself, and so it was kind of a weird thing because when it finally took off is when I had to shut it down. Um, demand just took off once people, once words started getting around. And so I shut it down and that's why I've been building out the info products ever since. And so the coaching clients originally were a diverse group when my rates were low. And then as it got more and more popular and I was trying to raise rates in order to regulate how many people came in and then it got to be super exclusive and that's when I shut it down. So it was always designed to be something that served a lot of people and it just got too expensive. And, you know, I, I have a limit on the amount of time because it's a, it's a time for money business, right? Where you're trading yes. your time for money and there's only so many hours in a day. So if you're not coaching directly at this point, what are some things that people can find at financialmentor.com? Um, there's a ton of free resources on the site. So I've, you know, over a thousand pages of uh, free content, printed printed content. I've got one of the largest resource collections of free calculators because ultimately wealth is math and people don't like math. And so I created a huge suite, 80 uh, different financial calculators that does the math for you and they're all free. And then for paid products for people that want to take the next level after they've used my free stuff, I have uh, six books now and ultimately I'll have 12 books. They're all in writing right now. And then um, I've got one course, and ultimately I'll have three courses. So there's next-level stuff when people are ready to take it, but there's a ton of free stuff, too. Great. So let's talk about your, your new book called The Leverage Equation. What's the kind of big idea you're trying to get across in this book? Well, the problem with it, you know, everybody's familiar, not everybody, but most people are familiar with the traditional approach to financial planning. And the problem with that path is it's perfectly valid. It works, but it's, it's a low-leverage path. And it's very slow. It takes usually a lifetime to accumulate a reasonable amount of wealth so that you're financially secure. And so, you know, retirement was really a euphemism for old age financial independence. And so the idea that I was trying to do in the leverage equation was introduce a faster path, a path that is built around what I call the advanced planning framework. And so it's trying to do something that's very different from how people understand financial planning. So you have four uh, kind of traditional ways of thinking about, uh, I guess you'd call it conventional wisdom, 
that you do not endorse, and let's just go over those briefly and why you do not endorse them. The first one is that retirement planning is not just about saving until age 65. What's wrong with that? Right. This, that goes right to what we were just talking about, right? Which is retirement is really just a euphemism for old age financial independence. And so the reality is you can become financially independent at any age. Um, and so leverage in the advanced planning framework will show you how to do a lot earlier. So you can have more years of freedom to do what you want with your life and pursue fulfillment instead of just getting by. The second one, uh, kind of conventional wisdom, is that asset allocation among stocks, bonds, and mutual funds is not the only way to invest for retirement. Yeah, so that's another one that's kind of funny about the conventional model is they isolate it to what I call one asset class, which I call paper assets, which is the stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETS that your financial planner can sell you. The reality is if you look at how the rich get that way, most of the wealth is accumulated through the business asset class first and then real estate second. And that's not a coincidence. The reason for that is it provides more opportunities for leverage. Each of those asset classes provides more opportunity for leverage as well as tax advantages. And so that's why they're more effective at wealth accumulation. And then the next conventional uh, wisdom you reject is uh, making more money is not just about getting a promotion or a raise or working longer hours. What's wrong with that? Yeah, so the problem is that's trading time for money. It's what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about the coaching business model, right? Is that the trade time for money business model? So it's always inherently limited. And so what happens is when you're trading time for money, it caps your income because you can only work so many hours. There's only so many hours in a day and you want to enjoy your life too, right? So what leverage does is it shows you how to separate the income you produce from your time, right? It's no longer, you know, your, your income is not limited to your time. And that's, that's a key principle of leverage. And then the fourth conventionalism is it does not take money to make money. People definitely think that's the way to make money is to have more to leverage. What is wrong with that? Well, it helps. It opens up one door, right? Where you're, you're, that's, a re, that's what, what I will call return on equity equation. But you can use other people's resources too. You can use other people's money. It doesn't have to be your own, right? So when you leverage other assets, it frees you from your own personal return on equity equation. And so that's, you know, again, that's how... Uh, 20-something millionaires become very rich in a time when most people are still trying to figure out how to open a checking account, you know, is because they employ principles of leverage and it radically accelerates their wealth growth. So people think of the word leverage as debt, basically, which I guess you call financial leverage. So it's the one you're saying you have to be careful with because if you do it the wrong way, it can come back and bite you. Is that right? Yeah. So leverage... You know, that's another reason I wanted to write the book, Jordan, is leverage is really misunderstood. It's one of those things people think they get, but they don't really get it, right? If you really have them define it, they'll usually come back with financial leverage for sometimes time leverage, but most of the time it's just financial leverage. And financial leverage is unique in that the returns on financial leverage cut both ways. It makes the good times great and the bad times unbearable. And that's because it increases risk just as much as it increases reward, actually a little bit more because the returns are asymmetric because of the costs of carrying the financial leverage. You know, if, even if you make money, you still have to pay the interest costs on the financial leverage. And if you lose money, you still have to pay the interest costs on the financial leverage. So it makes it, makes it where you lose even more. Um, so financial leverage is unique in that it cuts both ways. The other five types of leverage, you can actually reduce risk at the same time that you increase returns, which is something most people don't understand. Yeah, we're going to get into each of them in in some great depth. I mean, lately, we've had pretty low interest rates, so a lot of people have been borrowing, not only people, but governments and companies have been borrowing a huge amount, thinking that that makes sense. Is is that a risky way to go when you have low interest rates like that? Oh, absolutely. This is going to be one of those times, Jordan, in the future, because, you know, none of us have a crystal ball, right? But one thing that's pretty well known right now is corporations have been leveraging up their balance sheets in order to increase their earnings without actually increasing productivity or new product or whatever. So they're borrowing extremely low interest rates and getting a lot of debt on their balance sheets and using that for stock buybacks, so fewer shares for the earnings and that type of thing. And all that's going to become evident during the next bear market or during the next time when interest rates increase and they have the higher carrying costs on that debt. And so what it is, it's a short-term solution now. It makes great sense now while interest costs are very low or close to zero. 
Um, but when interest costs return to normal, there's going to be a lot of people in a lot of trouble. It'll be the, the revenge of financial engineering, I guess you might say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to get into predictions here. I mean, eventually it will happen. It has to. It's mathematically. The, the, the very math that worked to create the earnings growth and all the, you know, the great bull market of the last 10 years is the very math that will um, cause a fairly significant downfall on the downside once all that comes unwound. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and owner of the, the website financialmentor.com. His newest book is called The Leverage Equation, How to Work Less, Make More, and Cut 30 Years Off Your Retirement Plan. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and owner of the financial independence website, financialmentor.com. His latest book is about leverage called The Leverage Equation. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Thanks, Jordan. So there are nine principles of mastering leverage in record time. I just want to go through those. The first one being mathematical expectancy. What do you mean by that? Well, mathematical expectancy is another one of those things that um, people don't understand yet. It's key to the growth of your wealth, right? Because this is actually the math that governs how your wealth grows. And it's the key to why leverage is important. So most people understand probability, right? Which is, you know, you think of a fair coin flip, it's 50-50 odds that something will come up heads or tails. And so people get that intuitively and they, they intuitively get the odds of something occurring. What mathematical expectancy does it is, it is it adds another dimension, which is the payoff dimension. So mathematical expectancy is probability times payoff. And so the payoff dimension changes everything and it makes it, it takes it from something that's intuitive to something that's not intuitive because extremely large payoffs, either positive or negative, um, overly distort the results. Um, and so it, that's because of the way the compound return equation works. And so when you're building wealth, it's really important to get mathematical expectancy to the point that it's intuitive for you. And that's where leverage comes in is because when you do probability times payoff, the thing about probability is that the future is unknowable. And so the odds of something occurring is actually not really knowable. You can guess at it, but you never really know. And bad things happen, right? And so the one thing that you can do, though, is you can manage the payoff equation. And so that's the payoff you get when something good happens and how much you lose when something bad happens. And so 
leverage equation is about managing the positive side of the payoff for big wins, and risk management is about managing the loss side of the equation so you control losses to a manageable amount. So you want it to be asymmetrical. You want to have more chance of the, the positive payoff and less chance of the bad payoff. Yeah, actually, the way I teach it in the book is you should never really pursue any activity that doesn't have chance for a big payoff. So like going back, you're asking me about the business, right? And so I pointed out that uh, coaching was always uh, revenue-producing market research. It was never designed to be a business model of coaching. And that's because it really doesn't have much for a large payoff, much chance for a large payoff, right? It's a very limited payoff. Whereas when I go into the book business and the course business where I put Todd in a box, that's a scalable business model. It can have a huge payoff, right? Because yeah. it's scalable. And so you should only pursue business models, real estate deals, anything that has – you set yourself up from the beginning for a large payoff, and then you carefully manage the risk of everything you execute for risk control. And so that's why you saw me doing the coaching in the beginning is because I was proving out all the models before I put them in product form. I had to make sure they all worked. So that was form, a form of my risk management. In addition, I was developing the platform from which to sell them. So again, these are just examples of me walking the talk from what I taught in the book about how you work for big wins using leverage for a big scalable payoff, but then you control risk of loss within the framework of knowing that the future is always unknowable, right? And so you're always executing. It's always a probabilistic outcome without ever really knowing. That's how you convert the unknown or unknowable into a positive outcome. And that's how you build wealth reliably. Yeah. Does that Your make second sense, principle. Yes, that makes sense. Uh huh. The second principle is we talked about this a little bit. Trading time for money limits wealth growth. So how do you kind of implement that uh, principle? Yeah. So you want to get past reciprocal. I call it reciprocal exchange, where you're trading something of value for something of roughly equal value. That's kind of what our world is built on, right? And so what you want to do is get past this reciprocal exchange idea to the idea where you're exchanging. Value, but value can come in many forms. So, for example, I can give value right now in this interview, right? I can exchange very good knowledge um, in this interview as an example, and it's a leveraged thing through a network, um, leveraged communication through a network. So, an example of getting outside of reciprocal, reciprocal exchange where maybe you and I would be in a one-to-one conversation. Yes, because you're reaching many more people with doing it once. You're reaching many people that way. Yes. Exactly. The third principle is the opportunity cost problem. What do you mean by that? Well, we all face limited resources, and if you spend your limited resources on one thing, you can't spend them on something else. That's what opportunity costs are. And so that's an inherent principle behind leverage is you need to be able to access other people's resources so that you're not limited by your own. The fourth principle is time freedom. So how does that play into it? Well, ultimately, your limited resource is time, right? And so the real goal is time freedom to pursue fulfillment. Yes. And then in the book, you've got some exercises to help you uh, track the amount of time. Just tell us briefly about that exercise. Well, there's, there's phases that you go through in developing time freedom. Um, I'm trying to recall my, oh, um, the first and easiest point is by eliminating the waste so you can refocus on productive activities, right? So first of all, what I do is I define productive time. Most of us don't have much productive time in our day. We spend most of our day doing work that just has to be done and not really moving the ball forward. And so the first principle is to free up productive time in your day. Um, and that's, again, counterintuitive because what happens is, you know, you might have a half hour or an hour of truly productive time in your day. And so if you can just free up one hour, you could be literally doubling the total amount of actual productivity that you're producing. And then the next step is to delegate projects. Now, a lot of people think that's time leverage where you're delegating single projects um, so that don't absolutely require your personal attention. But the problem with that is that it's minimal leverage because you're always having to retrain and rework with every project. It doesn't repeat over and over again. And so that takes us to the next level of time leverage, which is where you're trying to do process leverage. You're trying to find projects that repeat over and over again in your business or in your, in your real estate or in your life. And you try to figure out how to delegate those. And that frees up even more time because it's a system or a process. 
And then finally, the final step or fourth step is where you place human time with systems automation. And that's the ultimate time leverage once the systems are set up. Yeah, and you don't have to be doing it all the time. The system does it, yeah. Uh, your fifth principle yeah. is to grow wealthy by providing value and solving problems. That, that's what causes a successful business to happen. So, so talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, I mean, first of all, I mean, what people pay for is the solution to problems, right? So like with the leverage equation, I'm solving a problem of how do you earn wealth faster, more reliably, and how do you catch up for when you're behind on retirement? There's various problems that I'm solving with that book. People will pay for you to solve your problems, and they will leverage that knowledge. And so that's what you're doing here is you're trying to solve other people's problems through leverage strategies. And you do and that you said, by giving value. Yes. Your sixth principle is to make yourself unnecessary. Is that by creating a system so you don't have to be there doing it? Is that the idea of that? You nailed it. I don't even need to be here, Jordan. You got it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, it sounds strange to say you're going to be successful by making yourself unnecessary, but that's what I guess you've done in your case. Yeah. What, what you want to do is get away, get away from this idea that if you don't want to be the cog, because if you're the cog, then you're the clog, right? You can't leverage things where you're necessary because ultimately your resources and your time are limited, so what you want to do is you want to develop business systems and slowly but surely make yourself unnecessary, unrequired in the business. And the way I coach on that back when I was coaching is that you work with a client to identify everything in their business day that is taking up their time and you want to treat that as a failure of your business systems. Like just start from the idea that if it crosses your desk, then by definition it defines a failure of your business systems and so rather than just solve that issue one time, what you do is you create a business system every time that solves it in perpetuity. And that's how you, over time you free up your time and make yourself unnecessary in the business. Your seventh principle is upfront costs, benefits lag. What do you mean by that? Well, a lot of people don't implement leverage principles because they have to pay the price up front and they don't want to do that. It's never convenient. There's never a good time to incur the cost of training an employee or, <clears throat> excuse me, developing a business system. It's always inconvenient, but the nature of building wealth is it's um, de delayed gratification. And that's true with leverage too. You're always going to pay the price up front to get the results down the back end. And so that's a very, that's an essential principle of leverage is to embrace that delayed gratification and to design it right into your business model. And a lot of people resist that because, as you say, they don't want to pay the cost up front. They think they can get it for free, in effect. Well, not just for free. It's just never convenient, Jordan. I mean, it's always inconvenient to put these systems together to train people. It's always easier to do it yourself each time. The problem is it's not easier to do it yourself a 100 times or a 1,000 times. Yeah. And that's why you have to pay the price up front in order to get that freedom down the back end. And it's hard. You know, you have to – I call it bridging the gap, Right. So a lot of people that will hear this, they might be in a service business and they're like, oh, Todd, this sounds really nice, right? Great ideas. I can't do it because I'm in a service business. So I call that bridging the gap where you still have to earn the service income as you productize your business or as you build business systems that makes you, un that makes you unessential to the business operation. And so there's bridging that and it's hard. I I'm not going to mince words. You have to hustle through it. And so, but that's the nature of the beast, and that's where delayed gratification comes in, and that's why everybody doesn't do it. Your, your eighth principle yeah. is to expand the gap. Is that what you mean, what you were just referring to, is expanding the gap? Yeah. This, here's the interesting thing about expanding the gap. You, you know, so like, you know, one gap you can expand is how much you earn versus how much you spend resulting in savings. So, right, as your savings accumulates, then it accumulates faster and faster as you expand the gap. So that would be how you'd look at it from a traditional financial planning standpoint. But then from a leverage equation standpoint, it works a little different and it's, it's faster and it's more interesting. And that's because when you build a business as a primary asset for your wealth, then what happens is the value of the business is a multiple of its earnings. And so when you grow the earnings, not only do you expand the gap in your earnings and savings, but then you multiply your, the value of the business is multiplying because it's about, it's, it's a multiple of its equity. I'm sorry, of its earnings. 
And so you can create wealth tremendously fast by expanding the gap in a business or in real estate. I mean, in real estate, it's, it's known as net operating income, right? And you get a multiple of your net operating income. So all these are priced, it's the same principle priced across the board in stocks and bonds. It's the price earnings ratio, right? Yeah. So it's always your price is a multiple of the earnings. And so when you build your business directly, you can multiply your equity. Terrific. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman with The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and his website is financialmentor.com. The book we're referring to is called The Leverage Equation, How to Work Less, Make More, and Cut 30 Years Off Your Retirement Plan. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and his website is financialmentor.com. Uh, his new book we're talking about is called The Leverage Equation. And welcome back to the show, Todd. Thanks, Jordan. So we've gone through the principles. Now let's go through the six different types of leverage and how to use them best. Uh, the first one is financial leverage. We talked about that a little bit. But what are some of the things people should watch out for and when is it appropriate to use financial leverage? Yeah, so financial leverage, again, is one that cuts both ways, right? It's a little bit riskier. And so there's some rules with applying financial leverage so that you don't get yourself in trouble. Um, one of the first rules is you don't ever want to over leverage because, you know, even the best laid plans will, will incur temporary setbacks. And the thing about financial leverage is it reduces your margin for error, right? So you can't, you can't endure very large setbacks when you're leveraged financially because it cuts both ways. And so the first thing is really control how much leverage you apply. It's, it's basically a recipe for death if you over leverage. The next rule is always have an exit strategy to remove leverage and preserve equity so that you're prepared with clear action steps if adversity strikes. Um, so that's the second rule. Um, you've got to be able to just cut that leverage off and control the losses. Otherwise, you can get destroyed. Again, notice my words of caution here. Um, I'm very 
aggressive on other types of leverage, but on financial leverage, I'm very cautious because again, this is the one that increases risk. You got to be careful. You specifically um, say rule, during leverage, def- what's that? I was saying during deflation, particularly, you're saying to minimize leverage. I mean, people who went into the depression who had a lot of debt got into real trouble. Is, is that something you're worried about now to some extent? Well, I think it's a risk factor. I don't want to try to forecast the future. I think you can, you know, I think there's equally plausible odds that we could have a deflationary decline as much as an inflationary decline. It's quite possible we'll get both, where we could go through a deflationary decline and then get an inflationary decline on the back, on the back end of it. Now, let's sidetrack this for a second since you asked me, Jordan. The thing about deflationary decline, see, we're in a credit and debt bubble. And so, and it's at several degrees of, of uh, development here, um, both large cycle and small cycle. And so typically a credit bubble has to be unwound through a deflationary decline because you have to wipe out the bad debt in order to build a base of new growth. And that's the thing that the government has not allowed to occur. They've been kicking yeah. the can down the road and moving the debt from the private sector to the public sector and all the things that we all know about. And so that's why there's still, after all this time, the risk of a deflationary decline. They're just fighting it tooth and nail. But then, the, you know, you have to respect the fact that the government ultimately controls whether or not we have inflation uh, through monetary policy and fiscal policy, and they're aggressively pursuing an inflation. Ultimately, they're in control of it. So even though the economy wants a deflationary collapse and is trying everything to create it, the government is trying everything it can to create an inflationary one, you know, the verdict's out on where how it will all develop. Um, obviously, um, you know, deflationary declines the probability one, but eventually government will fight it enough. They'll probably get the inflationary collapse as well. So okay. That was a fun little optimistic viewpoint there. If you choose over which way we're going to collapse, inflation or deflation, that's good. All right. I want to get to the next kind of leverage, which is time leverage. So how can you leverage your time? Okay, did, you uh, for- want me to, did you want me to give a couple more rules? Because I really think it's important that your listeners know how to protect themselves with okay. financial leverage. Okay, on the risk management side. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, Yeah, on the risk management side of financial leverage, I, there's only a couple more because you had given one which was protecting yourself in a deflationary collapse. Um, the other one is you want to avoid using financial leverage on volatile income streams. The classic example of that is airlines. Um, that's a volatile income stream. And so that you don't want to leverage that one. It can be very dangerous. Um, you can, that's why real estate traditionally has always, uh, adopted the highest leverage levels because traditionally prior to the government playing with 0% interest rates, um, real estate would operate within about a 10% boundary up and down of its long-term trend of price change. It would just basically follow inflation plus or minus 10%. And so it's no coincidence that historical down payment requirements on real estate for applying mortgage or financial leverage was anywhere from 10 to 20%. That's not a coincidence. That was yeah. banks understanding the true risk factor of real estate prior to the bubbles um, that they the bubbles that the government created. So anyway, that's you know throwing um, income stream on volatile assets versus stable assets. And then the last one is that you should only really be applying financial leverage if your goal is maximum wealth growth. You know, if your goal is security or stability, then you really shouldn't be applying financial leverage. Because it can go against you. That's right. (laughs) Well, it's just incongruent with the goal, right? I mean, if your goal is stability and security, financial leverage adds risk. You don't want to do that. You know, you're really pursuing a cash flow equation, not a maximum wealth growth equation. Yes. Okay, good. All right, so let's move on to time leverage, which is the second kind. So how can you leverage sure. your time to, to get you know, the best result? Yeah, well, time is ultimately your scarce resource, right? You know, nobody can create more of it. And you're going to spend it till you run out of it. And so, as I talked about before, there's four steps to increasing time leverage, and you start by increasing the productive level of time in your day. That's the first uh, leverage point. Then you move to delegating tasks. Then you move to delegating processes. And then you scale up by leveraging away um, human time for machine time. Um, so that's time leverage. It's, why it's why don't you just give an example of a system that, that you set up that kind of runs on its, its by itself that, that works for you to produce income? Oh, wow. Let me count the ways, right? Almost my entire business is automated now. Um, so I have all my um, email systems are automated. So when people subscribe, they come in and they've subscribed for a free bonus. Maybe they want 
a calculator output or they want the wealth building toolbox or, you know, whatever free bonus they requested. And so they come in, the system recognizes where they subscribed and what bonus to deliver to them. It sends it to them automatically. It follows up, it offers them the other bonuses, and then it delivers value. And then even the system tracks what stuff people are interested in, and it sends them more of that content so that they get only the stuff they're most interested in. Um, so that's an example of a system that's replacing the labor. I mean, I can't even imagine paying an employee to do all that. And the yeah. system does it. I think the whole thing cost me about 250 a month. Uh-huh. Great. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is technology and systems leverage, kind of what we just talked a little bit about there. But how do you leverage technology and systems uh, to build wealth? Well, actually, what you just said brought up an important point about leverage, which is, you know, we're going through these types of leverage, and I taught them this way to give a structure so we can understand leverage better, right, and understand how to use it and apply it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But in reality, what happens is when you start applying and they cross boundaries. So we talked about time leverage, but the example I gave was a form of systems leverage, as you correctly pointed out. And so that illustrates an important principle in leverage, which is as you start applying leverage, you just don't get overwhelmed by this discussion. We're going to share a lot of information here. And there's a lot of information in the book. What you want to do is just pick the point that's most interesting to you and begin there. Because as you begin to apply leverage, it'll open doors to other forms of leverage. You don't have to worry about getting them all right. Just start with what's interesting you most. And so with that, systems leverage is about setting up a scalable model so that your systems can do the work thousands of times. And again, I just gave that example. I can also use shopping carts online. Where the shopping cart, because they're electronic products, the shopping cart takes the order, processes the order, <clears throat> administers the client, brings them into the system. I have a whole onboarding system that then onboards the client, brings them into the course, and the course is fully automated. And then the course has automated accountability systems in it that takes care of the client. And so the only thing I'm running inside the course is the personal support systems where I'm in the office hours delivering personalized support. Yeah, you're saying ultimately making money should be boring, and that's what you're talking about here. This is kind of automated. Yeah, the, the work comes into creating all this. That's what's interesting and compelling is the creativity aspect. The actual process of making the money you know, like when I set all this up, it's not profitable. What's profitable is the rollout, and that's boring. That's just administrative. That's just getting it to roll out and leverage up. Um, but creating it is the, you know, where you're building it in the beginning, that's the creative part. So making money correctly done is actually boring. Oh, okay. The, the fourth type of yeah. leverage is what do you, communication. What do you think of that, Jordan? Well, you're right. You want to set it up so it's automatically working, and boring is good in this case. Um, yeah. You're, your fourth type of leverage is communications and marketing leverage. So once you've created something, it's a matter of getting it out there. So how do you do that successfully? Well, what you want to do is you want to access other people's audiences, you know, through magazines, newsletters, database, or like this podcast is an example. And you want to try to figure out leverage ways in which you can reach a lot of people with your message in an efficient manner. Um, and this is a very uh, dangerous thing. We're, I mean, everybody's overburdened and overcommunicated now. And so you want to really be respectful and focus on delivering value when you employ communications leverage. Um, you know, ultimately, all forms of communications leverage come down to two, two strategies, right? There's, like, there's books written on communications leverage. You can get super complex on it. <clears throat> but in fact, it's quite simple. It really comes down to two different strategies. You're trying to find new customers and you're trying to increase the lifetime value of existing customers. So like, as an example, I talked about in my autoresponders on my website, how they're designed to deliver information that my clients request and value. That's how I'm increasing the lifetime value of an existing customer, right? And then finding new customers would be an example of this podcast, right? Where we're right. reaching out to your network and your audience through this podcast. So that's an example of finding new customers. Yeah. Uh, your fifth type is network and relationship leverage. So this is if you have relationships with other people who bring other things to the party, that can leverage your business as well. You help each other. Correct. Yeah. So other people's connections, other people's resources. Here's the thing. Nobody can be an expert at everything, and nobody can be an expert at knowing everyone. Um, in the end, business is all about relationships. You know, it's the relationship with the customer. It's my relationship with you. Business is all about human relationships. And so, you know, relationship leverage is a natural outgrowth of that. 
Indeed. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach, author, and his website is financialmentor.com. And you can find out more about his book called The Leverage Equation, How to Work Less, Make More, and Cut 30 Years Off Your Retirement Plan. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Todd Tresseter. He's a financial coach. His website is financialmentor.com, and his latest book is called The Leverage Equation. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Thanks, Jordan. So we were talking about network and relationship leverage, and there are four specific steps to build the network that multiplies your wealth. The first one being decide who you want in your network. How should you do that? Yeah, before I go into that, which I will in just a second, I want to use this as an example of what I was saying earlier about not getting hung up on the details here. Um, I'm not very good at network leverage, surprisingly. I'm a systems leverage guy. Like if I rated myself on a 1 to 10 scale, I'm probably a 9 or a 10 on systems leverage, and I would give myself maybe a three or four on network leverage. Now, I do do network leverage, you know, as evidenced by different, different activities in my business. But I just want to use that as a point that you don't have to be good at all of these. You just have to yeah. find your starting point and develop the skills over time. And so with that, the four steps to building a network, you want to start with deciding who you want in your network, right? Because not everybody's going to fit. They have to have relevancy to your strategies and what you're trying to do with your business or your wealth. And you want to connect with those people, and that's easier than ever nowadays with social media. Um, we're all more connected now. It's easier to access even the most popular people. Um, and then you build really that relationship over time. This is the key point. You want to pay it forward. You want to give first, never use. You want to be the first to offer up your contacts and resources before making any demands on the relationship. The point is to play the long game. Everybody's familiar with being used. Don't be one of those people. Right. Yeah. So give, and then eventually it becomes natural in the conversation to ask for help on something. When that time is right, it's okay to ask, and that's the fourth step. But you've got to wait until the time is right. You've got to build the trust, build the relationship to where it fits naturally. Indeed. Okay, and then the sixth uh, different type of, of leverage uh, that, of, of, that you're talking about is, um, well, we, uh, is, well, that was the sixth. Knowledge. Knowledge. 
experience, yes. We want to get into implementation a little bit. So, I mean, people are hearing this and they're saying, well, how can this apply to me? How can I automate um, and use all this leverage in my own business? There may be some challenges for people to figuring that out. How can they know if this is going to work for them? Well, it works across the board, so it does work for them. Um, but, you know, that's easy for me to say, right? Um, but let me give some examples uh, from my own life why this is not some big technical thing and it's not difficult. Um, when we first had kids, my wife and I had kids, I was really impressed with the Mommy Network. The Mommy Network was an amazing network where they leveraged each other's resources. So as an example, the moms would exchange kids because they all knew each other. They became friends. They trust each other. They've been in each other's homes. They discussed child-rearing practices. So it was a trusted babysitter. And not only that, it worked for the mom that was host- hosting the kids that day. So maybe two, three kids would all go over to one mom's house and she would host that day. Now the two, three kids would all have time to play together. It's great social interaction for the kids. It's actually easier on the mom hosting because the kids entertain themselves. The mom doesn't have to do the entertaining. And the other two or three moms all have those hours off to go do whatever they need to do. You know, get a workout in, get some shopping done, spa day, whatever it is. They get time off and they're not even paying a babysitter and then they just take their turn later on. That's an example of leveraging that mom network. Another one I can remember is when we had date night out and the babysitter wasn't able to come in at the last minute and the mom network came to the rescue, right? Mm-hmm. They all knew babysitters. They all had connections. The phones rang and before you know it, we had a babysitter at the last minute and rescued the date night out. That's another example of leverage. So, you know, these leverage things, we do it every day in our lives. We're leveraging, you know, the phone I'm on, the computer I'm using. You don't know anything about that computer. You know, the re- you're leveraging all the technology in there, all the resources. You're leveraging the Internet. All these tools that you're leveraging are just common. The difference in wealth building is you do it consciously. You build a plan that purposefully leverages into a scalable business model to result in wealth. It's intentional. That's the difference here, and that's what I'm trying to educate and coach people on. You say ultimately you should use leverage to leverage leverage, as you say. So what do you mean by that? Well, it's like a rest nested Russian, you know, those nested Russian dolls where you open dolls, one, it's yes. the same doll, just slightly smaller, and it's slightly smaller. That's what I'm talking about there, right? You're using leverage to leverage leverage. It's just like, as an example in my life, right? So... I built well through the hedge fund business, what we talked about at the very beginning of the interview. So I had freedom and it gave me the time to work with this business without worrying about putting money on the table. I was just focused on, could I actually help people? Could I actually build a unique resource? And then I started doing that. And then I did, if I had to get paid and I had to use it to pay for the kids and the education and my family and all that, I never would have lasted this long. It's because I had the wealth. So I leveraged my financial wealth in order to build a business, I'm using the income from the business. I can use that to buy property, which will then be done with mortgage. It's like leverage on top of leverage on top of leverage. Does that make sense? It does. And you're also saying it's important to start somewhere. It can be overwhelming to think of this whole thing. Kind of take it in small steps is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Do not allow yourself to get overwhelmed. It's not going to serve anyone, right? Just I, After listening to this interview, there should be something that caught your interest, right? So start there. You know, or just get the book and leverage my knowledge by getting the book, right? And then you can learn from that. It costs almost nothing. There's no risk for that. You know, listen to more of your interviews. You're leveraging people's resources and leveraging people's knowledge. But just start somewhere and then turn it into a plan so you can purposefully apply it. Again, that's the key distinction here is those that win with the strategy are the ones that create a plan around it a scalable business model, and they understand how to leverage up for a big win, and they understand how to risk management to control losses when they're wrong. And over time, if you employ that strategy in a repeated fashion, eventually you will get your financial goals. Eventually you will achieve wealth. You say there are, the three, there are three most expensive words in the English language. What are those three words, and why are they so expensive? <laughs> well, there's two versions of that, right? The version in the book is I'll do it myself, or I can do it myself. Right, and what that does is that costs your life. The more successful you become, um, the the more you become trapped by your success. And we've all seen examples of that of people who are super successful and miserable, and they're just trapped in their businesses as they try to achieve wealth. And that's something that nobody should desire or plan for. Um, the other one is that, that I'll throw in just for fun. It's not part of the book. Is I already know that. A lot of people think they already know something. 
and they they um, you know they read something superficially. They don't get the depth of what's in there and how they can apply it. And so, like when I look at knowledge, I'm always trying to look at the piece that I can apply, find that new nugget. I don't try to approach things as I already know that because if I do, then my cup's full and there's nothing I can add to it. So I yeah. give you two versions of it, actually. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So in summing all this up, what kind of a difference will it make in people's lives to use all kinds of leverage we've talked about as opposed to, as you say, trading time for money or doing it in the traditional way? Well, you know, there's two big differences that it makes. One, it's, a, it's an accelerator button. So you can get your financial goals faster. You can achieve wherever you're trying to go that much faster, right? Because it's an accelerator button. The other thing that it is that we didn't really get much of a chance to talk about here is it's a problem solver. What a lot of people don't get about leverage that I try to emphasize in the book is that if you look at any obstacle that's holding you back from greater success and you find the solution to it, what you'll realize is it's always leverage. Leverage is the solution to any block that's holding you back from greater success. And so what's funny is that it's two things, but they're really the same thing, right? Because breaking through those obstacles then accelerates your wealth growth also. And so there are two very different versions of how leverage benefits you, but ultimately they lead to the same outcome, which is, is accelerated wealth. And, and you've actually had your clients go through this and implement leverage and be successful. And would you just give us maybe one example of somebody who's actually implemented your, your strategies here? Yeah, I had a client, I'll give you a couple examples. I had a client um, was working for a firm, it was a technology firm, and he actually negotiated down his salary in exchange for a lucrative options contract, which positioned him as an equity owner. So he's leveraging the growth of the entire business rather than just making time for money. And he consciously did it. He negotiated his salary down in exchange for more options. And he recently received a multi-million dollar buyout um, when the firm got bought out. His options were worth that much. What was interesting is he was the single most paid out employee in the firm next to the original founders. Yeah, options options give you leverage. (laughs) Yeah, he was the only one that negotiated his salary. Everybody else wanted the maximum salary. And I had another client recently bought a uh, mini storage that was really inefficiently uh, operated, and he used the leverage strategies to improve the efficiencies of the operation, and now it's a very lucrative cash flow business. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Todd Tressler. He's a financial coach, author, and his website, financialmentor.com. You can see a lot more about what we discussed, which was the book, The Leverage Equation, How to Work Less, Make More, and Cut 30 Years Off Your Retirement Plan. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.